0: You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Baucom as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balcom. Welcome to the Save the Marriage Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you save your marriage and restore it no matter where you are in the process. Sometimes we find ourselves at the end of difficulties and other times at the beginning of the difficulties, but wherever you are, I'm here to help you by giving you some advice, some thoughts based on my now over a quarter of a century of helping couples navigate this crazy place of crazy times. I mean, that really is what happens when we're in these uh, the difficult times in a marriage. It feels like crazy because you just don't ever have your balance. So today I want to talk about one of those places. It's really about how do you maintain your balance, and it's separation. And the question is, can a separation save a marriage? And so my answer is, yes, it can. But is it likely to? That's the more important question. Many, many people contact me and say, hey, you know, we're, we're talking about separation. Can that save it? Yes, I say. And then I remind them that the statistics, though, it's not about can it, but would it. And the likelihood of a separation saving your marriage are pretty dismal, like about 21%. In other words, 79% of couples who separate go on to divorce. Now, that's a pretty high figure and probably a bit too much to say that separating is a safe move. Here's the problem. Many people who, when they're talking with me, don't have a choice You see, a separation can happen unilaterally. Somebody can say, hey, I'm done, I'm out of here, I'm separating, and you have no choice. So the question that many people come to me is, if we're thinking about a separation, should we do that or should we do something else? And my suggestion is you do something else. There are lots of other things you can do instead of a separation. And I'm going to talk about why it's so bad in just a few minutes. But remember, there are some courses of action. You know, one of the things I've put together is the Save the Marriage system. And the reason I put it together is because I think there are some better alternatives. There are lots of people who have over over the years, tried to create some ways of doing separations as a, a kind of a, a sales pitch of here's what you do, you separate and you do this. Well, the statistics just don't bear it out. The statistics show that 79% of couples who decide to separate are going to eventually divorce. And to me, that's, that's just uh, such a harsh reality check that you really need to think through whether you really want to separate or not. So why is it that these separations are so damaging? Well, one of the big reasons is uh, because this is a a kind of a dress rehearsal. Uh, A couple uh, can kind of dress rehearse a divorce. So there are some couples who have really already decided to divorce. It doesn't matter what's coming, they're going to divorce. And so in that case, separation is seen as kind of an ob- obligatory step. It's not really anything that they're, they're seeing as a way of moving towards anything better. It's just an obligation. They feel like they're supposed to separate before they do anything else. And so in those cases, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. So let's set those aside. You know, If, if your spouse has already decided or you both have already decided to divorce, then the question is not, can it save our marriage? I want to focus on the ones that are really trying to figure out, should we separate as a way of helping our marriage? Those are the ones that have a capacity of determining where they want to go. Those who have decided to divorce, there's no capacity left. It's already a done deal. But let's talk about the other direction. What are the things that can be done that can help move a couple either away from separation or in the midst of separation to a better place? Okay, so let's talk about another big reason that these difficulties come and and invade and damage the uh, separation. Notice that in a separation, the couple goes their separate ways, and therefore there is no longer a couple, it's two individuals. And they grow apart. You know, it's just kind of the natural way things happen. If I'm living in one place and and my spouse is living in another place, we're rebuilding our lives in different ways. I'm getting used to the way I run my life. My spouse is getting used to the way she runs her life. And we're not communicating as much as we would if we were in the same location. And so uh, we begin to develop our own separate lives. The more separated we are, the more those separate lives begin to develop and, and it begins to block off and cut off what would be the normal growth of a couple. So one of the big things about what happens when we separate is we simply grow apart. That's the nature of a separation. And when the distance feels like relief, it's even worse because then you go, wow, you know, now we're not arguing. Now there's not that tension. I don't feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Things are so much easier. It can lure you into thinking that, you know, things uh, have to continue this way. But I want you to notice that in that process, there's been no resolution of anything. And I can tell you from experience that many people get through a divorce having still not resolved anything. People continue in a marriage having still not resolved anything, but separation makes it harder to get to a resolution. And it does feel like relief for a lot of people when they, when they separate. The reason it feels like relief is because the place of tension, the difficulty, you know, is now away. It's, it's been pulled apart. But let me give you a little analogy. If I've plunged my hand into hot water and it's burning my hand, if I pull my hand out of it, it's going to feel like relief. Now the water is still going to be hot. Nothing's changed the temperature of that water. All I've done is remove my hand from that, that place. Instead of figuring out how to cool it off, figuring out how to move it around, all I'm doing is getting a little bit of pain relief. So separation can feel like pain relief. That doesn't mean that anything's been resolved. And so it's still all left hanging. At the same time, you're building up the separate life. Now there's another place where uh, there's a problem in separations, and that is because sometimes it's used as a punishment. I'm going to teach you a lesson is what's going on, either consciously or subconsciously. I'm going to show you you need me, or I'm going to show you this is your fault. And when that happens... All that happens is both people go into their own corners. Both people become more defensive. Both people begin to defend that they are not the ones at fault. Instead of saying, how do we move back towards this marriage? They, they only exacerbate the issues and move into more distant places. So when separation becomes just a punishment, there's not much way of resolving it in positive ways. So let me give you some guidelines on how to navigate this difficult area of separation. One is I suggest to use separation in separate locations as a last option, a final option. If if there's nothing left to do, if you've tried everything else and you've got to figure out what's the last ditch effort, that's it. Then you go to separate places. Now, people have come to me and said, my spouse won't do anything other than that. And in that case, then we want to create some other uh, standards that will help us navigate this and get them back together. The first thing, though, is to offer something else. So let's say you're at the point where a spouse is saying, we've got to separate. I can't continue like this. One option is to have an in-home separation to keep both of you in the same house but to find some distance in that house. So it may be changing bedrooms. It may be saying, hey, you know what? Let's take turns in the family room. Let's really do some separate space. Now, the thing about that is that means that the tension has a chance to decrease. There's some space for each person, and yet there's also some place for being together, of being a family unit. So while there are some moments where you're developing some of your own individual identity, it's not outside of the home. It's not outside of the relationship. So if at all possible, my suggestion is you do an in-home separation as a better starting point than in separate locations. Sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes there's no way to stop that. So then let's talk about what you do if you have to go to separate locations. First thing you do is you be very clear about how you will stay connected Now, you've already decided how you're going to be separated, but to talk about how you're going to stay connected. I often hear people say no contact during a separation. That is asking for trouble. Less contact might be helpful. Notice that if you have children involved, there's no way to have no contact. It's not helpful for the kids. It's anxiety-provoking for both parents and the children. So that doesn't make much sense. But the second thing is if you are both just kind of developing your own lives with no contact, you are doing this dress rehearsal for a divorce. So in the midst of trying to, to create this uh, separation, make sure you have some, some ways of getting together and make sure you have some ways of contacting each other. I don't think it's okay to uh, kind of go into uh, quiet mode, that you really do need to be texting and talking on the phone and emailing periodically. The question is, what's going to work for the two of you? You've got to find some place that both people can agree to an amount of connection. So the first thing to do is to be very clear about how you will stay connected. The second thing is to set up regular meetings to discuss the practical issues that come out of the fact that you do have a joined life, to look at schedules, to look at finances, things like that. It's very important in my mind to have a regularly scheduled meeting. Once a week, I think, is a great way of doing that. Just once a week, even if it's meeting for lunch in public because, you know, that's kind of a safe way of doing it. It's it's kind of a nice shock absorber. That's a great way of doing it. If you can handle more than that, you know, at dinner or time at one or the other person's uh, place, that's great too. But find a way where you both feel comfortable having a regular meeting and regular doesn't meet let's doesn't mean let's meet in 3 weeks or a month or 6 weeks it's like every other week or every week and i would prefer every week and that's to sit down and make sure that you've handled the schedule that you've handled any financial matters, that you have um, stayed in contact and connection face-to-face with each other. And by doing that, you begin to eliminate some of the real danger points of anger and frustration based on missed schedules and based on uh, finances falling through and based on the fact that there's just not any face-to-face contact. So make sure you have regular meetings, to discuss those practical matters. You have had a, a joined life and it hasn't ended, so you have to make sure that you manage that and continue it so that, that nothing really falls apart. This is especially true when there are kids involved. They they need to be feel reassured that everything's working, that their life is not in complete disruption. The separation is disruption enough. So I think it's the responsibility of the parents to then say, how do we make sure nothing else uh, impinges upon them? But either way, let me suggest a weekly meeting, even if it's over lunch or over coffee, just to make sure that everything's covered. Okay, number three is to set up regular times to just be together with no talks about the relationship or problems, just a chance to be together in a lighter mood or place. See, what's often happened before the separation is they find themselves constantly kind of pushing each other about the relationship. You you end up having relationship talk after relationship talk, and the tension keeps going higher and higher, and one person's trying to convince the other person, and on and on it goes. The arguments just boil around. So, Use the separation as a time to let that tension and anxiety fall away a little bit and still have a chance to be together a little bit. That would mean like having uh, a light date. And don't call it date night where you're trying to be romantic. That's probably going to be a bit strained during a separation. But And also don't make it like the business meeting where you're sitting down and talking finances or scheduling. But maybe you go for a walk to catch up on each other's lives. Or, or maybe you, if you have an activity you enjoy together to go for a hike or, or find some other activity that gets you together with an agreement that you're not going to talk about the relationship that you're only going to spend time together and catch up with each other. It's very important to have some level of connection so that you can move back towards being in a reconnected relationship. So find a way, find some way of of, uh, scheduling time together that is about being lightly together, about having some connection. Number four is commit to yourself on how you intend to improve yourself. What is a big danger in my mind in a separation is at the end of the separation, nobody's changed. Nobody's grown. The only thing that's happened is the tension has lessened between the couple. So use the time to make some real changes. If you're separated, instead of being with each other at night, maybe watching TV or doing whatever else, you have a chance to read and and watch DVDs and videos and learn about yourself and study self-improvement. Remember, we're we're all on a growth uh, path. Unless we stalled out, we should be moving down that path. So make sure that you're finding ways of growing through the process, improving yourself, because then you bring a better self back to the relationship. If you get to the end of a separation and you're still stagnant and at the same place you were at the beginning, nothing will have changed for you. And potentially nothing has changed for the relationship. So spend the time well. Make sure that you are really on a growth path for yourself. Don't worry about what your spouse is doing. This is about your own place of self-growth. Number five is avoid acting in spiteful, angry, reactive, or vindictive ways. Sometimes when we have that separation, we, we get very first frustrated and I want to remind everyone that those actions come out of hurt. The anger that can boil over, the feeling of abandonment, the anger that, that comes from that really is about hurt. And so don't act in those spiteful ways. Don't try to teach a lesson. Don't try to incite a reaction from your spouse. Uh, it's not the time to make a point and it's not the time to do anything other than to reestablish a connection and an alliance together. If you choose to react in angry or vindictive ways, you're probably just going to confirm what your spouse already believes about the need for separation. You've proven the point. It will not convince your spouse to reconsider, but it will teach your spouse a very important lesson that you can't be trusted to have grown and changed. And that's the only confirmation they need to stay away. Also, number six, resist begging, pleading, or cajoling the person to come home. Don't shame the other person. Don't beg. Don't plead. Don't try to force them to come home because when we try to do that and somebody is in a separation place, all they do is resist even further. They dig in their heels, resist, 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 and you get no movement. In fact, what you get is movement in the opposite direction. You reconfirm the separation. So don't do that. Allow the process to unfold. Number 7, don't use the kids as a bargaining chip. The kids are already the losers in the process. Don't make them the bigger losers. They're the innocent parties that have nothing to do with your relationship, so don't use them for bargaining. Simply put, both children, children need access to both parents without feeling pulled or being part of the struggle. This isn't about them. This is about you making sure that they have access to both parents. And when you get in the way of that, by blocking phone calls or emails or blocking access to to see each other, all you're doing is creating more resentment in the spousal unit and more anxiety in the child unit. So don't use the kids as a bargaining chip. And number eight, for a constructive separation... Pick a time frame, a sensible time frame. Some separations go on for years. Don't allow that to happen. Pick a time. And this is a very hard uh, to uh, live into, but open-ended separations make it very difficult for both people because you just don't know what to expect. And so and ask how long you think might be a good time frame. How does the separation end? Do all the issues have to be solved? Because if all the issues have to be solved, that's not a great uh, end game. That's just a hope that it'll happen. Instead, find some ways of choosing a time frame. Choose it as a time frame, not a problem-solving frame. So if it's going to be three months, great. If it's going to be six months, great. More than a year, you really are watching the chances of getting back together decline rapidly. In fact, the longer you're separated, the lower your chances because of building up a separate life. So decide what a sensible time is. Have a time frame, and I always suggest that really a good time frame is no more than three months. But if it has to go further than that, just recognize that there are some things that are beyond your control. At the end of the time, when you've arrived at that end of the separation, then you have to figure out how to come back together. If your spouse will not agree to a time frame, then don't allow that to be another part of the struggle, though. Don't make that one more reason to bash heads. Remember, you can only control your end of the situation. You can't control everything. Finally, begin the separation with the end in mind. This is Stephen Covey's great advice. Begin with the end in mind. What are you trying to get to? If you know what you want to get to at the end, then you can build the process to get to that place. You can start with an understanding that the reason for the separation is to move beyond the problems to secure a stronger and more connected relationship. And if you have that end in mind, that will tell you how to back up and move in that direction. If all you're doing is trying to make uh, one or the other of you feel better, the separation doesn't have the structure it needs. But if you say, this is what we're trying to get to, this are, these are the improvements we want to have happen, then you have a greater, greater likelihood of arriving at that point within the time frame that you specify. Now, I am not in favor of separations. Let me be very clear about that. For me, it is a last-ditch effort. But if it happens at least make it more and more possible that the separation helps your relationship instead of destroying it. Now, in the midst of that process, if you need help in figuring out how you work on yourself and how you understand the relationship and how you can move the relationship to a new place, let me suggest a couple of things. First is to grab the Save the Marriage uh, system. You can find that at savethemarriage.com. That system will help you understand what your marriage should be about and how you need to function within that. If you've already got the system and you're still trying to figure out how to navigate it, join me in the Save the Marriage virtual coaching program where you can figure out and ask questions and get my responses and we can guide you through the process of a separation and guide you through the process of reconciliation to learn more about that you can go to com slash coaching. that's com slash coaching, or email me lee at savethemarriage.com lee at savethemarriage.com now remember in order to to be a part of that virtual coaching uh, process you have to have the core piece you have to have a core understanding so we're not starting from kind of zero you are already in function and now you're taking the system and applying it to your specific situations how you build it in so you get the most from it either way make sure you structure any separation that comes your way the best way you can and the first step is to try to avoid it in the first place if it becomes unavoidable follow my steps and you'll find that you have a much greater chance of like of carrying back getting back together and avoiding a divorce in the midst of a separation This is Lee Balkum, wishing you the best as you save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.